Welcome to In The Game presented by Maven Sports. I'm your host, Terry Johnson, and today we've got a great conversation. As you know, with In The Game, our podcast is about the conversation around the competition of sport from an athlete's perspective, the business side, the marketing and the fan engagement. And we really want to kind of what we call pull the curtain back and really have authentic conversations around each component. Today, we want to come from a position of the athlete, and I'm excited about our guests, um, their background as former athletes, but more important, as fathers who have gone through the journey of preparing their sons and daughters to be elite scholar athletes. So today, I want to welcome my guests, Dwayne Majors and Avant Pablo Fields. Gentlemen, welcome. Thanks for having me. What I'm going to do is allow you guys to uh, just to go ahead and um, induce yourselves on a little background. I'm going to start with Pablo. Pablo, give us a little bit about yourself, uh, where you're from, your involvement in sports, um, and why you think sports is important in a child's development. Well, uh, again, I'm Pablo Fields. I'm from Louisville, Kentucky. Um, the only thing I'm a fan of truly is the Louisville Cardinals. Unfortunately, I couldn't uh, convert my kids. I tried uh, my best to make them Cardinal fans. Took them to Final Fours, uh, Orange Bowls. I mean, bought them paraphernalia. They just didn't uh, convert. But uh, anyway, uh, I've been in Atlanta uh, 31 years now. I moved to Atlanta. Uh, I played ball at Eastern Kentucky University, where I was a linebacker. Uh, I was a policeman for 30 years. Very hard uh, occupation to do at this date and time, but uh, I did it for 30 years. I coached at uh, Little League, which was probably the most uh, uh, satisfying experience, uh, minus the parents sometimes, honestly. (laughs) And I, I did coach at uh, a thorough high school, which which was good as well because you I was kind of giving back to the community and kids that uh, didn't see uh, you know men that looked like me that were positive in their lives lives and trying to uh, make things better for them. Uh, I'm married and uh, have three kids that are uh, heavily involved in sports. Uh, my son was just an all-around athlete, uh, football, basketball, and baseball. Uh, I mean, he, he would have been good at badminton. He was, you know, he's very gifted. My daughter, who's a softball player, who also played basketball now, she's at the University of Georgia playing softball. And I have a middle schooler who uh, we call the best uh, athlete in the house. So uh, we'll see how uh, the story ends up with her. So uh, just love sports love mentoring kids. Uh, I love kids. I was a resource officer when I was uh, with the police department for many years and just uh, got a calling for for kids and coaching and all that stuff. I just love it. Really do. I love that. Thank you. And we're going to dive more into that. Dwayne Majors. Welcome, sir. Tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, your family, your background. Thanks for having me. Um, I have a son. His name is Graham Majors. He's at the uh, Xavier University in Cincinnati, Ohio, playing basketball. The funny thing about coming here today, uh, 
I haven't seen Pablo in 15 years, and I kept looking at that gentleman on the screen like I know him from somewhere. <laughs> and all of a sudden, it kind of made sense. So this ties in nicely what Terry's trying to do today. We actually coached together, me and Pablo. We had Graham and uh, I think his son, Justin. We had him on the same basketball team. I feel yeah. sports is like a microcosm of life. It teaches you teamwork, competition, and what you come to understand in any form of business, everybody has a role that they play. And that's kind of where sports lies. I think socially, economically, when you're on a team, you don't, that doesn't matter, nor does your skin color, nor your race, because you're competing. And I think if you can kind of take those attributes, move forward in your life, it gives you a level of responsibility that most normal people who haven't had a, don't have a sports background, they don't really get it. And I think what we understand as uh, African-American men and trying to teach, teach our boys is like, it's a level of responsibility that comes with it. And I think if you can have that and carry it over to your life, I think you can be successful. Wow. What a great opening, both of you gentlemen. Again, I'm honored to have you. And you both said something in there that we're going to use for as our conversation, the involvement. I mean, and you two are fathers who've been involved in your children's lives from the very beginning. And, and with that, you're right. You know, that makes a difference. And then you are two gentlemen that give back. You realize the journey and your responsibility to give back. And that's where we want to go with because at the end of the day, you know, you guys both kind of downplayed it, but you have in this journey been playing a pivotal part in your sons and daughters getting to that elite level. And for a number of our artists, you know, they think there's a secret sauce. And I try to tell them it's not a secret sauce. It's the commitment and the work that you put in and really want us to talk about that. And I wanted to kind of start the first time your sons and daughters picked up the ball. Why? And, and what happened in that moment as a father because this today's show is about the father's journey in creating and you know I use that word loosely and I don't like it but preparing their their child to become that elite athlete so that's we're going to get rid of the word creating we're going to say preparing and putting them in this position but can you guys take us back the first time you put a ball or saw a ball in your child's hand and them getting involved in sports Dwayne can you kind of share that with us and then I'm going to let Pablo chime okay. in I think Graham was probably four, and I could watch him out in the front yard kick a soccer ball, and he could kick it with both feet left and right. And being, a, being, being an athlete myself and being around uh, pros and elite athletes all my life, I knew that was different. And then I took him outside, and I'm not a baseball guy, but I would just toss a, a plastic ball to him, and he would hit it. And then I noticed he could, like, just dribble a basketball. And at four years old, that's not the norm. So what I tried to do is take myself out of it and I put him around a couple other people and just let them watch him. And at that point in time, I knew that his hand-eye coordination was, was ahead of everything else that he was doing. So that got me kind of excited about the journey that we were going to be on. Mm. And the next part of that is trying to make sure, and Pablo will speak to this, everybody in the household has to be about this here. If the spouse is not there, it's not going to work because this is a lot of time. It's going to challenge you uh, in ways that you could never even imagine as they start to grow and with the amount of time that you have to put in to see that. It's their dream, so what you want to do is you want to be a part of it. And I think the biggest struggle for me was when my son got to be 10 years old and I had a couple people tell me, like, the toughest thing moving forward for you is to find somebody to take him beyond where you are now because this is so unique. And it was just words at the time. And then I came to realize, like, as I was trying to find teams for him to play on, the people that wanted him to play, they didn't know 
anything. They just had teams together, and that was a struggle for me. So the biggest struggle for me as a father was trying to make sure that I put him around people that understood talent and knew how to work with him. Man, you jumping the gun. We're going to get there. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> but you're right. We're going to get there. We're going to deal with that. Pablo, tell us about the first time you saw your son and daughters pick that ball up, you know, based on the age uh, difference and everything. Go ahead. Yeah, unlike Dwayne, I, it was my first son. I hadn't I've been around athletes, but I, I had no idea what I was looking at. I thought all of the boys were like him. I mean, he would throw the ball up the steps and it would bounce down the steps and he would catch it. And it was like, you know, really getting on my nerves. I would say, stop. I mean, <laughs> uh, he was just really coordinated. Uh, he went out for T-ball when he was, uh, I think, three, but he was turning four. And the T-ball team, it was winter, and they were practicing on a tennis court. And and I took him over. He took him over there. It was in East Point, and I said, "Hey, this is the T-ball team." And the coach looked at my son. He said, "Nah, this is the six-year-olds. You, you you need the pre-team, the pre-team, pre-team team." Mm-hmm. And uh, at that time, uh, Justin realized he wasn't going to be able to play that day, so he began to cry. And the coach said, uh, "Hey, man, just just let him uh, play with us today." And then we'll get him with the uh, preachy coach. Well, when he went out there, it, was, it took about five minutes for he said, "Hey, d- don't worry about him playing preachy. He, <laughs> he, he's good right here." And uh, he was just, and that was he was three, about to turn four, but those were six years old, six year olds, and he could uh, hang with the best of them. He really could, and and really quick, just on him. I remember me being coached the following year and I thought all of the boys were like him and uh, they could catch the ball and throw the ball to me. And I had this little boy put on the glove and I said, Hey man, you ready? You ready to catch it? It hit the little boy dead in the eye. A mother came out of the bleachers with rollers in her hair and she cussed me out. You know what I, mean? <laughs> I, I didn't, I didn't know that all of the boys wasn't like mine. And uh, as far as Jaden goes, uh, she didn't want to play ball. She was a little pretty thing. And, uh, you know, I'm a big fella, and she's kind of built like me. And I was, I had to break, baby, you, you're not going to be a ballerina. You sure you don't want to play any sports? <laughs> no, that's Justin's thing. I don't want to play any sports. So we got her on a softball field out here. Uh, once we moved to Kennesaw, they played, like, rec league softball. And uh, and she could just naturally hit. I mean, her, her swing was, you know, it's, it's rec ball, but she could hit better than the rest of the girls so uh anyway that's where it started with her and uh the third one jessica is just uh, a sculpted athlete and this always she's really really tall she's 5'11 in the eighth grade with a six foot three inch wingspan or whatever so she's playing basketball now she tried softball we thought she could play softball but she's kind of catching up with her body finally and it's all really coming together now so uh yeah that's the kind of the beginning of all my kids and how they started in sports Dwayne, you alluded earlier and shared with us at some point you realized that i'm pointing to my son and pablo's case son and daughters i'm pointing to them and their skill development but at some point i've got to release and let someone else move because my voice becomes muted or they turn me off you know, tell us about when you were in that position as a father, when you had to let somebody else coach your son. And then you being a coach, being put in that position where a father or a mother comes and you says, hey, I give my child to you. 
how is it different in this journey? And then Pablo, I'm gonna ask you to chime in on that same question. My struggle, my struggle is I'm a detailed oriented guy. So I understand you can't skip steps. And some people, the success with ground was if he made the basket, they were okay with that. And my case was, I would tell him like your footwork wasn't proper or ball placement wasn't there. And he would look at me like, but it went in. And I kept trying to tell him like, he, w he hadn't hit a growth spurt. So he was the smallest kid, even though he's the most talented kid. And I kept trying to tell him like, if this is the journey you're gonna be on, there are gonna be guys that are gonna be three, four inches taller and you're gonna be quicker. And you're gonna have to understand like you have to do it right. So I came to this place where I, I had other guys around him. I had, you know, pros, I had high school people around him and I would just leave him in the gym and let them kind of play with him. And then I would ask them, what about that kid? And again, Terry, as I said, my struggle was just trying to get out of the way because I understood kind of like what he wanted to do. I wanted to be a part of it. And I guess the moment in time came to me like we had a disagreement in a game and he came home and we weren't really talking. So I just basically sat him down and told him, I said, well, here's what I want to do. I want to let somebody else coach you, and I just want to be your father because I don't want this to be just about sports and we can't have a father-son relationship. So at that point, moment in time, I kind of stepped to the side and I let somebody else kind of coach me. Oh, wow. Yeah. How about you, Pablo? Uh, well, I, I've never coached Jake. Me and girls, we, we can't. <laughs> <laughs> they, they melt. I mean, I'm a yeller, and you, you come out here, so I never coached uh, Jake, but – uh, Justin coaching him was, was certainly a journey uh, in itself. I mean, he played on a team where uh, he played quarterback a lot of the times. And, and, you know, when I was the head coach, you would hear the term uh, daddy ball. Mm -hmm. uh, he's playing daddy ball. Mm -hmm. and, and quite honestly, and they some have come back to admit, I mean, he, he was better than everybody on the field. I, I would love to have coached. And my son was the right guard, but he, but he was the quarterback. And you know, I had to break it down to dads like, look, your kid told the ball 17 times. I can't help it. My kid told the ball nine times and three of them went to the house. I mean, uh, you know, Justin was just a lot more gifted than the kids. And, you know, it, it, it was tough. It really was. So mm. I like I think one year I couldn't even, uh, you know, he, he always wanted to play quarterback, but. I got so much flack from that, than him being so athletic that, you know, everybody wanted him at running back. So moved him to running back, moved another kid to quarterback. And, you know, your kid's asking you, like, I'm, I'm a better quarterback than him. Why do I have to play running back? And it's best for the team, son. It, that hurt me to do that to him. But all things work together for the good. So mm. he, that's why he can run and, and the way he does. So then the next year we moved out here. So we get on a team that – is really already loaded and uh they have a quarterback the offensive coordinator's son is a quarterback so justin had to play fullback that year and then they when they got in the playoffs they i think justin was the third string quarterback they realized he was so good and they tried to play him at quarterback but then it was a little too late so uh finally he got in this the sixth grade is where they played middle school ball out, out here and he, he finally got his chance to play quarterback and out here is uh is, is, is not as diverse as, as downtown. So mm. uh, Justin would run slow, so they wouldn't put him at running back. You know, and he was coming in <laughs> in the middle of the pack doing the sprints. And I'm like, hey, man, why aren't you running harder than that? And he's like, Daddy, if they see how fast I can run, I'm going straight to tailback. 
nope, I'm going to keep it in the middle of the pack. And, you know, he did things like he wouldn't, he would throw the ball away instead of run because he knew if they saw him run that they would move him. So he just always had a desire to uh, to play quarterback. I'm even, you know, guilty of trying to talk him out of that. Man, quarterback is only one, one of them on the field. Uh, you're probably going to be 5'11", you know, six foot, somewhere in there. It's just you're a good athlete. You know, let's do receiver, cornerback. They're all over the field. And, you know, he, he told me, no, I'm a quarterback. So even uh, I'm guilty of trying to uh, talk him out of his uh, dream. So he showed me he grew to six, three and a half. And, uh, you know, and he is where he is now. So uh, anyway, that's that's pretty much it with Justin, but I never got to coach Jaden, but couldn't do girls. And I just trained this uh, little one now. So uh, I, I train her and take her to the proper trainers and take things from them and then try to bring it to her at home. So I never coached her on the team though. She's a basketball player. Now that's a good segment. So that was gonna be my next question. Most people think for you to create Again, I use that word create because I want you because at some point, our listeners, I want you guys to understand it's not about a creation. It's about a journey and doing that. But for you to create this elite athlete that a lot of fathers and others out there think it's about the training, you know, and, you know, and that's all it is. All we do is train, 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 train. Tell me, Dwayne and Pablo, there's a balance there. Take us through that. How much is training the physical the other part of training the mental and then training life as a young man or young woman and that of that being of african-american on top of that let's talk about training but because so many people think you got to have the best training for speed and agility this this and that yeah but there's a balance there take us through that what is truly the training from your perspective well it began for me when graham was playing we were playing in three leagues on saturdays so when I got up in the mornings, he was already at the table dressed with his uniform on. So I take training as like, you got to be passionate about something. It doesn't do me any good to want him to do this because he has talent. But if he's not passionate about it, it doesn't get him out of the bed, doesn't wake him up, then it's, it's null and void. So once I saw that, um, naturally, I was in the gym training some people. And he was seven, eight years old. So I would let him come with 16, 17-year-olds. And what you find out is older kids... If a younger kid has an ability, they'll take him on and put him under their wing and they'll, like a cocoon, they'll treat him right. So that was the biggest thing for me. So I got to see that. And I started to ask him questions. And even when I had kids lifting weights and he was, a, uh, you know, preteen, he would ask me, could he lift weights? And I would tell him, no, you could not. And I, it's so funny when Pablo was saying that Justin was crying, I had the same response from Graham. So I think as, as a parent, you kind of realize like this is the journey that they want to do it's their dream and even in class when Graham was doing his homework assignments they would ask him what is it that he wanted to do and it always revolved around basketball so what I tried to do is create steps to where I didn't want to I didn't want to have burnout and I've seen that with so many parents when you start talking about elite training so I never put him with anybody else so our time in the gym was my philosophy is this there's uh, two reasons why kids start to play sports is one reason why they start to play sports and it's fun. And there's a reason why they no longer want to play it because it's no longer fun. So everything we did was around fun. Even if we played knockout, me and him with the other kids, I just tried to make it fun. So with that being said, if it was fun, then he didn't look at it as like work or training, but I knew it was. 
So that was that was my philosophy dealing with that. Oh wow, wow! How about you, Pablo? When people talk about this training, you know, well, the training I, I didn't. You you go with with Justin first. He never experienced burnout because he played three different sports, and it was always fun. And many people, you know, tried to say, well, he probably needs to, you know, just play. Uh, one sport or he, he never got burnt out you know when they were i know the kids down the street they're training in the basement for football and justin had to go to baseball practice he wasn't able to do that or he was playing basketball so he just loves a ball so it was it, it wasn't i didn't get the burnout factor because he uh played three sports and uh, as far as my daughter now i'm uh, the training and with the the quarantine, the pandemic that we're in, you know, a lot of uh, girls are kind of opting out of uh, AAU and they're not playing games. And it's hard to train them that hard because, you know, for the first month or so, I mean, she was training six days a week, probably about four hours a day with a trainer or doing something, Vertimax and, you know, the shooting machine. But, and I was telling the trainer, he was like, man, they don't need to do uh, AAU. You, you have to give them that, uh, that taste of competing, you know, in some games with some referees, with some parents uh, watching. So, you know, we kind of rolled the dice and, and started uh, going to these AAU tournaments. So uh, we're going to the, uh, the, the epicenter of uh, the coronavirus one Orlando tomorrow. So uh, uh, y'all pray for me. But, uh, <laughs> okay. You, 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 you got to let them, you got to let them play. You got to, uh, they got to have fun. They, they have to uh, see the fruits of their labor. And, and this little one, she has, you know, really seen the fruits of her labor. She's really gotten better in these uh, three months. So it's a time when, I mean, we've all probably thought me as a, a father for, you know, back in the day telling Justin that, you know, maybe he didn't work hard enough. You don't want it. But now, I see the things that motivate them, and that is the accolades from other people. And, you know, once you start getting on that football field and seeing those, you know, articles in the paper and things of that nature, it was nothing I can, you know, I would tell them sometimes, hey, man, that's, that's a little too much. I, I saw something when he came home that how hard he trained, and it was just amazing. I'm like, you, you've got to get burnt out. I mean, it was his diet, his weightlifting, his running, his throwing. I mean, all facets was about how to get better. So uh, what I tell young fathers is uh, it's coming when they get the accolades from high school. It doesn't have to be on that level where they have, you know, newspaper articles or ranked in the country, but just maybe the cheers from the stands will motivate them better than you can as far as training. But the burnout, uh, maybe so on this this little one where you know she she had to see some games and actually see this training come to fruition mm. while she was shooting the layups while she was uh taking so many shots the vertimax and once she saw the fruits of her labor she's like wow let me let me get some more vertimax let me get some more shots so uh you, you have to be very careful with that that is a fine line in training and uh you know i just see some dads man and i shake my head they just just a little you know belittling their kids and, and things of that nature mm. uh the, the work ethic you know will come and uh you know if they want it and if they don't want it if they don't love it then they'll do something else find something they love whatever that is and you uh you back them 
on it, you know. So. My next question to both of you that we hadn't even talked about, and I think it's important, both of you have done a fantastic job of your sons and daughters being very well, doing well in the classroom, academic performance. They are, they are high performers in the classroom. So my question is, how did you guys balance that? You know, not only on the playing field of athletics and the competition, but what did you do where they are doing pretty good in school? I mean, it, what's that secret sauce? I know our least listeners would love to know that. What did you What did you do there, Dwayne? I mean, well, first of all, I'm gonna give all credit to his mom there. Okay, I'm not gonna take any of that. Uh, <laughs> okay. We're we're a public school family. Me and his me and his mom, and I just remember we were going through the process and she had decided without my knowledge that he was going to go to private school. Well, when I grew up, private school kids were privileged and I didn't really understand it. Well, we sat down and we had a conversation and once we looked at the academics and trying to get, in, get a, a really good foundation. And as you know, as black fathers and having boys, you understand how they will label your kid. So we started out in the private school setting, and that became a part of it. And I can remember we were playing, uh, Grant was playing in a league, and he didn't do his homework, and I was coaching the team. So I picked him up from school, and I just made him sit upstairs and do his homework. And all the kids said, why is Graham not practicing today? I said, well, you guys can ask him when it's over. So we never allowed uh, the academics to slip. And even on the weekends, and he was at private school, and um, the work, that they had versus what was going on in public schools. Like we spent our weekends doing homework. It was that intense. So people would ring our doorbell and ask, could he come out and play? And I'd say, he's got, he's got homework. And they would look at me, the kids say, Mr. Major, does he always have homework? And I said, yeah, pretty much. So that was paramount for me because what I understood, I've been on the side of representation. And the last thing you want to do is have this unique ability to play a sport that can benefit you but not understand the business part of it. So academics became really paramount. And just I wanted to be in a place to where when the ball stopped bouncing, then he would know what the rest of life looks like. And that was kind of that was kind of my philosophy with that. So oh. we we never shortchanged him on academics. And to this day, we're still in that fight, and that struggle. Oh, wow. Yeah. Pablo, how about you? What did you guys do? Mm-hmm. All three. Well, the girls aren't. Uh, any issue whatsoever. I mean, those girls, they work hard. They want to do well uh, academically as well as athletically. So I don't really have any stories. They they just, I mean, my middle daughter that's right next to Justin, she gets so frustrated because, you know, he came out of high school, I believe, with a 4.0. She might have had a 3.7. And we go through a pretty good school district. And uh, he never cracked a book. And he really didn't. But uh academia was a necessary evil with him i remember uh fighting off what Dwayne said he played a uh, football game and uh we were we had already moved out here and he made a bad grade or something so i i didn't let him play in a game that weekend i i, I went a step further i made him he was the water boy so he had to take water out onto the field and uh, I just told the coaches he was academically ineligible uh, this week for his performance in the uh, classroom. And that, you know, once you do that, you know, it, it uh, really never happened again. So you couldn't do one without the other uh, in my house. I mean, say, for instance, uh, his, his uh, ACT, the first time he took the ACT, he he got a 21. Well, he's, he's really, really gifted. So... 
I told him like, if if you don't do at least a twenty five, I'm taking your truck. No, no more truck. You'll you'll catch that cheese wagon to school. And, <laughs> and out here, it's like uh, you got leprosy or something if you're sixteen and you ride the school bus. I don't know what that is. I rode the school bus all my life and the public transportation. But anyway, I was gonna take his truck. I got in the old uh, raggedy truck. And the next time he took the ACT, he uh, he got a twenty nine. I mean, just the only thing he did was sit there and, and focus. For the three hours, so he wouldn't uh, lose his truck. Okay. But he's, Dustin is not. I would never tell anybody he's a good student. He's he's very very gifted, and and he had he had a plan though. He had a plan for his grades, and it was a four part plan when he got in high school. He would he would do great on his quizzes because he learned that the day before, and he he got a really good memory. He would always do his homework, but he would do it in the other classrooms. So he wasn't listening to the teacher. He would do it in the other classroom. And the projects, he would get with the smart kids. He wouldn't get with his buddies. or He would get with the really smart kids on his project. And he called those his layups. He would always make his layups and make 90s on his layups. Well, the tests were the three-point shots. So he wouldn't study for the tests. What he would do is just, hey, if I make 90s in those three areas and I make a 75 on a test that I don't study for, that I don't have to crack the book, what do you do? And he would, you know, usually that's how he, uh, that was his plan to uh, get a 4.0 in high school. And it worked pretty good. It worked for him as long as I never allowed them, I never allowed him to uh, bring home a C. Uh, and, and I did use consequences. I mean, he bought a C home once in the sixth grade. And, you know, I think I, think I made him wear some Velcro shoes to school along with a sweatsuit that was too tight and uh for three weeks and that never happened again so i, I was pretty hard on that because of uh my upbringing you know without a father urban neighborhood you know uh mom bless her heart she really didn't pay attention to grades and uh when i got to college i was lost mm. you know i eventually got a college degree but i'm I'll be honest with you, I was lost when I got to college and uh, I just wouldn't, uh, didn't want that for my kids. So I was very, very hard with, uh, you, you couldn't have one without the other, the sports and you, you, you can't do sports if you're not going to uh, uh, do good with your grades. So, uh, because they do have to take off that uniform some sooner than uh, others, you know, who knew, I, I mean, I'd be lying if I said, that I knew uh, Justin would be where he is or Jaden would go to college for free for playing mm -hmm. softball, I'd be lying. And so uh, books were important and they should be in uh, every household. And you can use that kind of like as a uh, leverage uh, for playing sports if you do good in school is just my theory on it. Oh, wow, wow, that's great, gentlemen. Both of you said something earlier that I want to kind of get into. Uh, and it's important that your spouse is involved and understand. And you, both of you both have great spouses in your marriage and relationship. But as parents of this elite athlete, tell, give us a few minutes about your spouses and the, their role. How, how did they come to, to understand or support? Kind of share that with us. Share us a little bit about your spouses. Go ahead, Dwayne. I'll jump right into this one. Uh, <laughs> Pablo talked about Justin throwing the ball up the steps and it rolling back down, him yelling at him. Well, just imagine somebody's bouncing a ball in your house and they're shooting it and it hits the lampshade and it breaks and your wife runs in and I just tried to calm her down. I told her, I said, so 
from a musician standpoint, I don't have an ear for the horn, but if we had a prodigy in the house that was blowing the horn and I heard it as noise, would you tell me to make them stop? And that's kind of how I got through it. But I would also take him in the neighborhood and I would um, stand on the left side of his body while he was bouncing a ball and I would always knock it out of his hands and my wife would get upset with me. And I tried to let her know that I had a plan. And once we started to play in leagues and he started playing when he was uh, six years old, I remember we put him in a camp, we tried to put him in a camp at Emory and uh, you had to be eight years old to get into camp. And one of our neighbors, we took him over and just remember Pablo talking about Justin playing the t-ball. And we asked him, could he get in the camp? And we sent an email, they said, well, just bring him. Well, we took him and the guy saw him and he let Graham uh, participate in the week-long camp. Well, Friday they have these uh, skills and drills, and at the end of it, you get a uh, medal. And Graham did not get a medal. So he asked me, Dad, he said, what do you got to do to get one of those? I said, well, you got to be one of the better kids in the camp. He says, well, can I come back the second session? I said, sure, why? He said, because I want to get one of those medals. Well, lo and behold, as a competitor, that's what you want to hear. So we let him go back to second session, and he came home with a medal. And I think that was a turning point for my wife. She, she come to realize, like, this is really what he wanted to do. And at that point in time, she was on board. So it made sense for the whole household. Mm. Yep. How about you, Pablo? Can you share this story? Uh, you- yeah, but, but the wife is not uh, into sports at all. <laughs> I mean, she is, uh, she would say something like, I, I played softball in school. I mean, it was like intramural softball. I ran track or I was on the drill, drill team. Or, and all of us, the kids, all at the same time started rolling our eyes like, man, come on, that's not real sport. So, uh, you know, she was going to these hot games like, man, it is hot out here. I, I'm not staying out here in this game to watch these little kids fumble the ball around. So uh, it took her a while to get into it. But uh, when Jaden was, uh, when we realized Jaden was really uh, good at softball, she started to pay attention and she started to get umbrellas and things of that nature to withstand the heat. And uh, she understood the game. So it started off with softball and then we had to split and I would go to Justin's baseball and she would would go to softball. So divide and conquer. And honestly, it was probably about his, she went to football games, but maybe three a season. It was honestly Justin's probably senior year where she started, uh, maybe junior year, she started watching football and trying to learn it. She went to a mom's one-on-one class Mm. where they teach the moms, you know, the the game. Because she said, they're in a big pile and they're just... It just he comes out running out of the pile. I, I, that, that's confusing. I, I don't understand that. So uh, uh, it's it's at a point now where football's on. I'm like, babe, can I watch a movie or something? I mean, she's watching <laughs> college football and pro football. I'm like, dude, that's a rerun. I'm not. I don't want to watch that. <laughs> I mean, so she is, uh, I, and I can't believe it. I mean, when we were dating, I would I would slide, I would go to a sports bar because I wanted to watch the game and. Uh, and she would, you know, halfway have an attitude, but, you know, she would get a book and I would watch the game and, you know, we'd go to Chicago's Pizza down on Buford Highway and, uh, you know, I was watching the game, but she didn't like sports and, but uh, i tell you what, she, she loves it now. She reads all the articles. I, I don't read that stuff and <laughs> keeps the stats, knows the players. I mean, it's just a 
just a, a 180 as far as her, but she's uh, extremely uh, supportive of the kids. Uh, and she knows I work some, work them hard. I, I work this little one hard. I mean, I'm I'm having a ball with this uh, middle school middle schooler because it, this is my third rodeo. So you know things like getting mad at coaches, being upset at the game. I've been through it. I, I know it doesn't matter. Nobody's gonna know what you did in the little league game when you were twelve. I, I realize. I get it now. <laughs> so. Uh, so many people that have, you know, I was a coach for a little while in Little League, have broken relationships with me, maybe because their kid didn't get the ball or he didn't get in the game. I, man, I get it. This is my third rodeo. I get it. I don't get stressed about stuff like that. If they lose, they win. You know, hey, you know, if they want it, they're going to go get it. But she's uh, she's supportive. She understands. Uh and uh, she's right there by my side. She loves it too. So it, we we be, became closer because of sports. I mean, it's just done so much uh, uh, for our marriage. I mean, if you can sit on the couch and watch a game together with your wife, who you she was watching a movie. I mean, do you know do you know what that does for your marriage, <laughs> man? I mean, I mean, I'm in heaven, you know. So heck, put the wings on and, and we just. <laughs> Go at it. So uh, she, she's been great, and uh, it's been great for her. She's had wow. a great journey. Well, I know Dwayne can attest to that. I've, I've, I've witnessed his wife turning on the basketball game for him and say, hey, you, you ready to see this game? So that does happen. You're right. Well, gentlemen, you know what? Um, I've got to say this. This has been a phenomenal conversation, and I want to thank you. And we need to continue this. So, you know, we're going to go into a part two, ladies and gentlemen. So to our listeners, this is just the beginning of, of this conversation. I've got to bring them back because it's so enriching and it's so enlightening what they're doing. I want to take away with this. One, you've got to have balance in the relationship. I heard both of these fathers say that. That's important to, to balance not only your time with your son, but also their matriculation into their manhood, understanding the importance of school and life and other activities. And even Pablo said that with his daughters. The training. Both of them said, yeah, you got to train, but you got to make it fun because they've got to want it. So how do you do that? You got to be creative, but make it fun that they understand that it's going to get them to the next level. Um, when I asked about that, it, that it factor, they realized it early, but they didn't emphasize it. I think that's what I, what I took away from it. When Pablo's talked about the stair thing and Dwayne and the basketball and their multiple sports, they saw it because it was a little things of being able to kick with both feet. You know, being able to see some things. So to my fathers that are out there that are listening, you will know it, but you got to make sure that you balance it correctly. And then you know when they have it, when they want you to train with them, that you're not forcing the training. I think you both would agree on that. They're telling you that, hey, it's time for me to go do this or we need to be there or, or asking you to do this extra. Their motivation to come themselves because of the accolades of their friends and others around them is going to let them do to the next level. So you want to understand the how do you create that elite athlete? It's a process, and it's not all about the training. I'm going to leave you with this. It's about the balance. Now, we're going to come back, and we're going to finish this conversation, but I want to say thank you to our guests right now because, man, what great insight that they're giving us. This is what In the Game is about. So we thank you for joining us on this first part one of Fathers and Their Journey. 
with In the Game presented by Maven Sports. I'm Terry Johnson. Come back and here's part two. Thank you.